You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend and happy Timberwolves game day. The Wolves will look to snap a four-game losing streak as they take on the Cleveland Cavaliers at Target Center on Friday before heading out for a couple of tough games on the West Coast here uh, beginning over the weekend. So today on the show, plenty to talk about. We're going to start with the Timberwolves offense, a couple of things I think they can do to pretty rapidly improve offensively and why there is some reason for hope. I promise I have a couple of good reasons why there can be hope behind the Timberwolves offense, which currently ranks 23rd in offensive rating. I also want to talk about the ESPN. It's not a rumor, uh, but the the fake trade that they put out there that could send, according to them, potentially Damian Lillard to Minnesota. To be clear, this isn't an actual sourced rumor. This is an ESPN fake trade. And I want to evaluate what the possibility of this happening, what it could look like. And then also we'll close with the Wolves-Cavs preview. Of course, Ricky Rubio, Kevin Love returning to Target Center on Friday night. It's all upcoming on the show. Thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Remember, the show is free and available on all platforms. It includes YouTube now, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Okay, let's start with the offense. So the Timberwolves offense sitting here today, uh, this is the December 10th show. Timberwolves are more than a quarter of the way through the season, nearly 30% of the way through the season. And a team that was supposed to be, really, I thought they'd be an offensive juggernaut. I thought this would be a top 10 offense pretty easily when healthy, and they've been largely healthy. I thought that they would be a bottom 10 defense, and if they could get into the middle of the pack defensively, they'd be an easy playoff team. Well, for most of the year, they've been a top 10 defense. They're right now number 13 in defensive rating, according to basketball reference, um, and they're number 23 in offensive rating. So the offense has been, for the better part of the season, really bad. You know, you take out two, three really good offensive games. Um, you know, the Memphis game, obviously the big blowout there, the the first game of the year against Houston, there's a handful that were really impressive. Besides the, the Lakers game, I guess, besides that, the offense has been pretty bad. They're 23rd in three-point shooting percentage. Uh, the free throw, they're 21st in, or excuse me, 25th in free throw rate, 21st in free throw attempts per game. Uh, assists have been kind of middle of the pack. Offensive rebounding has been good, pretty much top five all season, but that's really the only thing we have to write home about. Obviously, Carl Thitty Towns has been great overall. He's shooting 45% from three, over 50% from the field. Ant has had flashes, certainly. But overall, the offense has been really disappointing. Um, I want to address Anthony Edwards' postgame comments following the loss on Wednesday when he talked about how the Jazz did, did and they, they were one of the first teams to try this late last season, putting their power forward on Carl Anthony Towns and allowing, in the Jazz case, obviously, Rudy Gobert to kind of play free safety uh, to, as Chris Finch would tell you, as he did in his postgame comments, stand in the middle of the paint without a defensive three-second call all night long. He's also allowed to, by the way, throw ice on the floor and not get called for delay a game. That's that's Those are both things that Rudy Gobert is allowed to get away with. Um, but he, you know, the, the, the Jazz allow him to kind of play free safety, to guard Jared Vanderbilt or Josh Akogi or whatever non-threat, in some cases, Jade McDaniels, the Wolves put out there offensively. The Wolves 
don't have a lineup where all five guys are a true threat offensively in, in, in really any way. And so the jazz kind of popularized this way to guard towns. They put uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich on towns and they put Gobert playing free safety effectively. Uh, we've seen a lot of teams do this with varying success. I mean, the wizards did well with Kyle Kuzma. Um, you go on down the list. Most teams have had some level of success doing this and not that towns towns is still averaging 24 points a game and has shooting splits of 51, 45 and, and 81. So like he's still playing really well at basically an all-star level, but the Timberwolves are below 500 and that's how teams have been able to beat Minnesota. There's a couple of ways to beat this defensive coverage and Anthony Edwards astutely pointed one out following the game on Wednesday in his, in his press conference, he said, I told Towns, you got to play more like Joel Embiid. You got to go. And I'm sure Towns love that. You got to go fast, right? You get, you get the catch before the double can come. You got Bogdanovich guarding you. You spin and he's not a terrible defender, but you spin and you take him into the paint or you turn and you shoot over him or you, you know, whatever you got to do, do it quickly before the double can come and, and copy and paste that to whatever, whatever matchup you have. If the four is guarding you, Towns is better than every other can beat any four in the league. Um, off the dribble, can shoot over them, can hit a step, can do whatever he's got to do. Um, and so Ant said, you got to go fast, right? To, to beat the double team. That is one way, probably the easiest way that the Wolves should beat this. But Towns has this, even though he gets frantic sometimes, he he likes to try and be overly patient. He'll allow the double team to come. It, it's like he he's trying to remain calm among chaos, but his whole body, like his feet are kind of still standing in one spot, but it's like he's He's like like a whirling dervish with the ball and he's waving it around and he's trying to hold off the defender with his off arm and then he's whipping passes cross court or he's shooting tough shots through the through the double team. Um, and, you know, that that doesn't generally work. The best thing he could do, at least to get his own offense and in turn the Timberwolves offense going, would be to go quickly. Now, the second thing is is the positive thing that occasionally happens when he's doubled and that's kicking the ball to the perimeter to a wide open three-point shooter. Well, that doesn't work when your entire team, besides himself, besides Towns, is shooting below league average from three-point range. And that's exactly what's happening right now. Um, and if the Timberwolves can't figure that out, if they can't, if these guys can't start making open threes, they're going to stay at a bottom 10 offense. And and it's really, it's insane. If you look at the numbers, the Timberwolves have exactly one player. League average right now, I think last year it finished just a hair under 37% from three. So, you know, call it 36.5 to 37% league average three-point shooting, which is a lot higher than it was five years ago. It's it's not surprising that the league has generally just improved because individual players have emphasized shooting threes as teams have, obviously. Um, Carlton Towns is the only one shooting above 36.5% from three. 45.3% for Towns. Nas is the next closest one at 26.2%, but he only attempts two and a half per game, which by the way is less than players one through nine on this list, or excuse me, one through eight on this list of Timberwolves uh, players attempting threes. Everybody else is well below league average. Anthony Edwards, 34.7%. Malik Beasley, 34%. They're both shooting more than eight threes per game. Patrick Beverly, 32.8%. D'Angelo Russell, 32.3%. Torian Prince, 29.9%. Jade McDaniels, 25.4%. We don't even need to go through the rest of them. That's not, first of all, it's obviously, it's terrible. It's it's not acceptable. It's not going to work. Second of all, it's shocking because I lauded before the season, I talked about the Timberwolves' depth, but I also talked about their improvement in terms of adding outside shooters. You look at these guys' career three-point shooting percentages, and they're all having essentially career-worst seasons. Malik Beasley's shooting 34% on three-point attempts. He's a career 38.3% three-point shooter, hasn't shot below 38.8, so effectively not shot below 39% 
since 2017-18, his second year in the league, which was a year and a half before he was traded to Minnesota. He's been over 40% uh, or 40% or higher. He had 39.9% last year. So effectively twice, he's been a 40% three-point shooter. He's shooting 34%. His worst in five years, second worst ever in his career over the course of seven seasons. So that's, to this point, I mean, is he really going to have a career worst shooting year? Maybe, but is Patrick Beverly? Patrick Beverly's never shot below 36%. He had 135.6, so round that up to 36. He's never shot below 36% from three for his career. He's 32.8% this year. So he, and for his career, he's a 38% three-point shooter. So he's a full 5.2 points below his career average. Are both Malik Beasley and Patrick Beverly going to have career worst three-point shooting seasons? What about D'Angelo Russell? He's shooting 32.3% this year. That would be a career worst. It's a hair below his first year in Brooklyn when he's 32.4%. He's a career 35.7% three-point shooter. He's 3.4% below his career average. Are Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, and D'Angelo Russell all going to have career worst three-point shooting seasons? What about Torian Prince? He's shooting 29.9% from three. He's a career 36.7% three-point shooter. He shot 40% last year. He's never shot below 34% since his rookie season. His rookie season is 32%, but this would be his career worst. Are Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, D'Angelo Russell, Torian Prince all going to have career worst three-point shooting seasons? I mean, it, the answer has to emphatically be no, be no, right? They cannot have four of their top three-point uh, shooters in terms of attempts and and what should be, and also in terms of percentage, they can't all have the worst seasons of their career. That just doesn't make any sense. And it's not like they're not generating open looks because the town's doubles do generate open looks. If teams are doubling towns and the center is playing free safety, you're usually not doubling with the center. That means there's at least two guys that are basically open on the perimeter if the Timberwolves can move the ball. And now Towns needs to go quicker, whether make a decision quicker, whether he's trying to score, or he's trying to pass. But there should be open shooters, and there often are, and they're just missing open shots. I, I just, it boggles the mind that this many guys are shooting this poorly. And again, we're still a small ish sample size. We're not yet a third of the way into the season, but this tide has to shift. And I guess when you look at it through that context, they, they shoot the second most threes per game of any team in the league next to the Jazz, but they have four of their best three point shooters shooting a career worse from deep. It makes you feel not terrible about having the 23rd ranked offense in the league and about the team sitting here at what 11 and 14 ninth in the Western conference. Eventually the, those numbers have to come up. They have to progress to the mean, right? Uh, they can't shoot. They can't all shoot career worse. So to beat, to beat this way that teams are defending towns, towns needs to be a, a quicker decision maker. And a lot of times that means he needs to try and score quicker. Secondly, they just got to make open shots and they're going to, I think it's reason for hope because it just defies logic that this many guys would be struggling this badly from beyond the arc this deep into the season. It, it, there's, there is reason to be optimistic because of how insane that is. Um, okay. Let's talk about the Damian Lillard thing next. Uh, and uh, about the ESPN article that referenced the possibility of Damian Lillard being traded and listed five different destinations. One of which was Minnesota as far fetched as that may seem. Want to dig into that just a little bit first though. Let's talk about our friends over at Truebill, our title sponsors of today's show. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam 
that's out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap, and your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million subscribers and help them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, uh, let's talk Damian Lillard. And uh, I, I want to say this again. I said this off the top. I want to I be very cautious about this. This is not a real source rumor. This is not even an ESPN rumor. This is simply an ESPN article listing five potential blockbusters for Damian Lillard based on the Adrian Wojnarowski, of course, also of ESPN report from earlier in the week that Lillard, Lillard continues to be discontent um, in uh, in Portland. And of course, it's just, you know, he's been injured. There's mixed reports on mostly negative reports on Chauncey Billups, first year as coach there. So there's five different trade ideas. One has him going to Boston for just an insane haul of players. This is, again, an ESPN, ESPN Insider article. Um, one with Philadelphia, but not for Ben Simmons, interestingly enough. One to Cleveland, which would involve Colin Sexton and Kevin Love, among others, going back to Portland. And then one... Uh, well, actually, the last one is is uh, to Sacramento, which would also include the Timberwolves. So I want to touch on that here in a second, too. But we'll start with the big one. So this proposed trade, again, completely fabricated, but it works from a salary perspective, would be Portland getting D'Angelo Russell, Torian Prince, and essentially what amounts to uh, two picks and p- potentially two pick swaps. So we'll call it four first rounders, Russell, Prince. Timberwolves would get Damian Lillard and Ben McLemore back. So it would be a 2024 unprotected pick. So not 23, but 24. Uh, So two years from now, the rights to swap picks in 25, top one protected, and then a 26 top three protected first round pick. If it it doesn't convey, then it becomes unprotected in 27 and then 28 with similar protection. So basically three picks and a swap um, plus Russell and Prince for Lillard and McLemore. Now from the Timberwolves perspective, uh, why Why wouldn't they do this? Um, now, Lillard still has a couple years on his deal, two seasons after this one, plus a player option for uh, $49 million. So he could potentially be on the Timberwolves for the rest of this year and three more seasons. I mean, likely he opts out, I guess, uh, unless he has an injury or something like that. So you're talking at least two and a half years of Dame, uh, and you're only giving up a year and a half of D'Lo the rest of this year for Prince. And then obviously the big thing is the picks. But if you've got Damian Lillard and Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, I mean, do you need do you need those first round picks, at least for the next three years? I mean, it could hurt in 2028, maybe 2026, if things fall apart, to be missing a first rounder. But for a franchise that's made the playoffs once in 20 years, this this is a deal that you would do, Absolutely. What I don't understand is why Portland would necessarily do this deal for a couple of reasons. Um, One, um, they'd be getting back to D'Angelo Russell. I mean, the conventional wisdom here is like, oh, okay, they could still be competitive in the West this year with D'Angelo, but they wouldn't be because there's a huge gap. I I love D'Angelo Russell. It's a massive gap between D'Angelo Russell, Damian Lillard, 
And the team with Lillard, Towns, Edwards, et cetera, they're still, they're not even giving up Jaden McDaniels or Malik Beasley in this deal, uh, which in my mind, those guys probably have more trade value than D'Angelo Russell, almost certainly uh, sitting here right now. Maybe not Beasley, but um, you can make that argument just because of the the cost versus, and there's also one more year, right? The team option for Beasley uh, and also the, the, the cost of Russell's max contract, right? So you could argue that Beasley's got as much trade value. So if you're giving up Prince's expiring in a year and a half a D'Lo and three picks and a right to swap a pick, you do it. Uh, if you're Portland, you're not really remaining competitive by adding D'Angelo Russell and Torian Prince. Do you really need Prince's expiring the, the money there that expires at the end of this year? Um, the picks are nice, but like, is a 2024 pick? I mean, the Timberwolves should be, that pick should be in the bottom like six or something in the league, right? So I don't know why you do this if you're Portland. Add in the other layer of it being the Western Conference, the same division, having to see Dame, you know, four times a season, usually three or four times a year. I just don't think that this happens because I don't know why Portland would do it. I think some of the other deals on this list make a lot more sense for the Blazers. If I'm the Timberwolves, to be clear, if Portland calls me up today and says, uh, yeah, D'Lo, Prince, three first rounders and a pick swap, yes, immediately yes. Um, I understand that would probably make Towns sad to trade D'Angelo Russell. I get that, rocking the boat, whatever. Eh, you're 11 and 14 and you can add you know, a top, what? what's Dame now? Top 12, 14 player, probably yeah, maybe even top 10 player at this point. Two Towns, who's a top 20 player, and Anthony Edwards, who will be a top 20 player in probably two years. Um, yes, you do that deal. I, I don't think there's any question about it. The other trade that mentions the Timberwolves, and again, completely made up trade idea. This is a four-team deal that sends Damian Lillard to Sacramento, the Timberwolves would get Buddy Heald and Cody Zeller. And all the Wolves would be sending out in this deal would be, uh, it'd be Patrick Beverly, Jaden McDaniels, a second, actually two second rounders and Jake Lehman. Um, I would not do this if I was Minnesota. I think that Patrick Beverly is worth too much to this year's team. Buddy Heald is too expensive and doesn't give you enough. And then to add in Jaden McDaniels and a couple of second rounders, obviously Lehman's just a, a salary match, but I, I just don't understand why Minnesota would do that. Um, and, and Minnesota is facilitating this more than anything else because this would get Sacramento in addition to to Lillard, they'd be getting Jade McDaniels and Patrick Beverly. I mean, Sacramento makes out like bandits in this deal. They're giving up uh, Tyrese Halliburton, but they're also giving up Marvin Bagley, who they don't want, and Buddy Heald, who they don't really want either. So I don't really understand. I mean, obviously the Kings do this. I don't know why Portland would do it. I mean, Halliburton's great. They get one first rounder. Um, I'm not going to list everything that happens here. Just just know that this trade's not happening. Um because Minnesota would say no, Portland would say no, Oklahoma City's along for the ride in this deal. But I mean, outside of Sacramento, it doesn't make sense. As it turns out, the team that gets Damian Lillard wins basically all these deals. I mean, I think Portland would do the Minnesota deal straight up for the multiple picks in D'Lo and Prince before they would do this one, where they end up with Halliburton, Davion Mitchell, Tristan Thompson, Marvin Bagley, and a first rounder. I, I just, I don't know. Um, all that to say, I don't think a Lillard trade's about to happen. And if it does, I don't think he's in Minnesota. But um, it's fun to think about. And certainly a Dame Towns Edwards nucleus would be just phenomenal. Um, I mean, those offensive issues for, for, for all the things that D'Angelo Russell can do offensively, having Lillard with Towns would be a whole nother level. Um, and there's no question about that. So not likely to happen. Fun to speculate about. Fun to pay attention to. Um, this article, by the way, posted, uh, I think this was actually early Wednesday. It could have been late Tuesday even. So go check this out if you have ESPN Insider, ESPN Plus. The f it's uh, titled Five Big Damian Lillard Trades. We want to see the Portland Trailblazers pursue. Uh, some of these are more realistic than others. I actually think the haul from Boston's a little better. 
than what they would get from Minnesota in this proposed deal. Uh, the Philly deal's kind of iffy. Uh, I, I actually think the Minnesota's deal better. Than, deal is better than that one too. The Cleveland one, I think, is probably better as well. So I'd probably rank the Wolves one third out of the five on here in terms of returns for Portland. But go check it out. I want to close the show today by talking about Timberwolves Cavs on Friday night. The return of Kevin Love and Ricky Rubio uh, to Target Center. So we're going to talk about that here next. First, though. Let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar, Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You can get best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many flavors. You'll have a hard time choosing raspberry mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel that you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw it in your jacket or your purse. You never know when you're gonna need it because it's the season of peace and love. Don't bring up your favorite Built Bar flavor at family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor, they will fist fight you for it and things can get out of hand. Are you friends with Santa? Maybe tell Santa to throw a few Built Bars in those stockings with so many flavors. They'd make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. Want to cozy up with something warm? Holiday secret, dip your Built Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa. Let it melt just a little bit. Give your beverage a little bit of that Built Bar flavor. Plus, you'll have a nice melty Built Bar to go along with it. Be sure to have a couple napkins on hand. That's going to be a uh, it's going to be a messy one, but it will be delicious. And if you like some of the marshmallow treats around the holidays, you got to get your hands on Built Bar Puffs. They're light. Fluffy and marshmallowy through and through. I had lemon cheesecake puff, uh, lemon cheesecake puff the other day, by the way. Phenomenal. It's super good. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate. It tastes so good. You will not believe that they are filled with protein. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's built.com, promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your order. Let's also talk about betonline.ag. Betonline has your covered has you covered all season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Football season continues to march to the playoffs. Basketball is now almost a third of the way over already. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our special promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball to football, NHL to boxing and UFC, right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available. For the rest of 2021, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline where the game starts. Again, welcome bonus, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on at betonline.ag. Okay, let's talk Wolves Cavs. So Cleveland has been one of the biggest surprises this season across the NBA. I thought they would be, you know, I thought the magic would be worse. I thought that, uh, um, I don't know who else in the East is is awful that was expected to be awful. I, I thought the Cle- Cleveland would maybe be the third worst team in the East. Well, so far I've been dead wrong. Um, they've been uh, who else? Orlando, oh Detroit, obviously. Um, I thought they'd be better than both those two teams, but I didn't think they'd be better than the Pacers. I didn't think they'd be better than um, really the Raptors. You know, they're they've been a little better than the Knicks so far this year. The Hawks, for instance, they're a half game better than the Hawks right now. Nobody expected that. Cleveland's fourteen and twelve. Uh, they started the season nine and. Three, I believe. Yes, nine and three. Then they lost five straight games. They were nine and eight, and then they won four straight games. And now they're they've been a little bit up and down here recently. Uh, but they beat re, they just beat the Chicago Bulls on Wednesday by uh, by twenty three, which is I mean the Bulls are seventeen and nine after that game. They held the Bulls to ninety two points. Cleveland's had one of the best defenses in the league so far this year. Um, 
think they're, uh, yeah, number four in defensive rating so far this season. They've got a ton of really good individual defenders. They've got great team defenders. I mean, from Jared Allen to, I mean, Evan Mobley has been really good as a rookie uh, on both ends of the floor, but Isaac Okoro is a really good defender. Um, they've got, they've got former Timberwolf Ed Davis playing a bit role on this team as well. He's obviously still a, a solid defender, but across the board, just a really impressive season, um, defensively more than anything else. I mean, offensively, they've been, what are they? 20th in offensive rating so far. Uh, but defensively they present certainly a, a major challenge to the Timberwolves. Kevin Love comes off the bench for this team. He is a, uh, like a 19, 20 minute a game guy. And, uh, I mean, just kind of shoots threes, does his thing off the bench for them. Laurie Markkinen plays, you know, he's nowhere near the rebounder that Love was in his heyday, but uh, Markkinen plays that stretch four role with the uh, the starting lineup, or I guess really the stretch three role with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Um, if stretch three, we're, we're going to call it a stretch three because I, I already said it, but he plays the three and uh, is is a massive, I mean, between Mobley, Allen and Markkinen, that's, that's a huge trio. Um, but Markkinen stretching the floor, Evan Mobley doing a little bit of everything, Okoro being fantastic defensively, Darius Garland's been great this year, obviously Colin Sexton's out for the season, which is disappointing, but Ricky Rubio has been dynamite off the bench for them, um, and uh, they they just, it's a relatively deep team, and the starting lineup has been, you know, relatively deep, right? Love, Rubio, uh, Chetty Osman off the bench are kind of the the, the guys who get the most most minutes. Um, and J.B. Bickerstaff, former Timberwolves uh, assistant, former Minnesota Golden Gopher player, uh, has been really good um, there as the head coach this season. So the the Cavs are going to, it's going to be tough for Minnesota to score against the Cavs. I'm really curious to see how they defend Carl Anthony Towns. If they try and stick, I don't think they'll put Markin on him. Um, I, probably Mobley. And my guess is they let Jared Allen play the free safety role and they put Mobley on, on, uh, on Towns, like Garnett on Towns. Um, but this is just a, a massive, a long lineup that is really versatile for Cleveland. And, you know, you throw in Ricky Rubio as a as a defender that can really make things difficult. And Towns is going to have to look out for doubles coming from Rubio and from Garland, guys with active hands. Um, but it should be fun. It should be a lot of fun. You know, it's a little different Rubio coming back to Minnesota. He obviously just played for the Timberwolves last year. But Kevin Love, you know, Obviously, he's been back several times, but he's also missed a lot of games. So it'll be really interesting to see what was that 2000. Man, I don't even I don't even know. 2012 was the year I think when or thir- it was 12 or 13. I think it was 12. Yeah, because it was coming out. Of, it was the lockout shortened year. The Rubio love, you know, the the year of hope when Rubio tore his ACL, and then coming out of that, you know, still being solid a couple of years following 40 wins with Rick Adelman as head coach. Uh, to see Rubio and Love back at Target Center each wearing the same uniform as, as the other and playing against the Timberwolves, both coming off the bench now in the latter stages of their career. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. Um, so anyway, I'm most intrigued to see how Cleveland tries to defend Carl Anthony Towns. Obviously it goes without saying the Timberwolves just have to make open threes. Um, so far this year, the Cavs are, are have the opponents are shooting, um, or I should say the Cavs have the eighth best three point defense in the league this season. Um, and the Timberwolves will are happy to oblige by missing open threes. So if they could turn that around and actually make some of those in this game, they'll have a real shot at winning. The Cavs aren't a great rebounding team on either end of the floor. Uh, they're fairly well balanced that, you know, outside of Jared Allen, they don't block a lot of shots. So this is a beatable team. They're just, they're just a good defense and a solid enough offense. And they don't generally beat themselves. They don't turn the ball over. Uh, they they make their free throws when they get to the line. They make their open threes. Their thirteenth to three point shooting percentage. It's a well coached team. It's it's a it's a 
interesting mix of veterans and young players. Um, it's just amazing to me that they've apparently leapt the wolves, leaped, leaped the wolves in terms of young teams trying to, you know, take that next step. Um, now they're only a couple games better than Minnesota. And it wouldn't surprise me if it's, when it's all said and done at the end of the year, the wolves actually do have a better record than Cleveland, but, um, that's neither here nor there. This should be a really fun game to watch. Um, so we'll of course have the post game pod following the game on Friday night. So be sure you're subscribed and following the show. Uh, and, um, you know, if you do already, Thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. That's greatly appreciated. If you listen on, of course, it's available everywhere. That includes YouTube. If you listen on YouTube, please be sure you're subscribed, that you like the show or that you like the video that you watch today's video. Comment below. Uh, let me know what you think. And also, if you listen on Apple, please like or please rate the show. Give us five stars if you love it. If you don't, um, I'd still love five stars. It would be awesome. It definitely helps uh, get in front of more folks. And it's it's genuinely greatly appreciated. We're also, of course, available everywhere you listen. So Google, Spotify, and Odyssey. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. That's all we have for today. Thanks again for listening to Lockdown Wolves. Of course, the show is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.